Hi, I'm Kinsey. And I'm Savannah, and welcome back to month two of the Faith and Friendship Podcast Book Club. Um, I'm going to let Kinsey tell you about the book and which one we read this month. Yeah, so this month for February, it was Present Over Perfect by Shauna Nequist. Um, And we're going to start by our just brief overview and summary of the book, and then we'll talk about um, some of the things that stood out to us and the lessons that we learned through this book. So the author um, really talks about her life and how any great change often starts with a breaking point. And she talks about her breaking point and what that meant to her and how it really changed the trajectory of her life from what it was and striving for perfection to what it she wants it to become, which is being more present with her family. And so that breaking point then leads to awareness of your escapism. And escapism is the tendency to seek distraction and relief from unpleasant realities. And how true is that? Like there's unpleasant realities in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that escape that we look for to um, distract ourselves from that. And so then once you have that awareness of what it is that you reach to for that escape, um, that we have to make our own choices about how to not run from our realities, but face them head head on. Um, And then by making choices, whether good or bad, um, that creates our life purpose. And so are we looking for a life that we just constantly escape from things? Are we looking for a life to be more present and um, be mindful of what we're trying to accomplish in life? The pull for that perfection will always be there. Um, Because that's human nature, but recognizing presence over perfection and learning how to say no to perfection. Because um, if you say no to perfection, you can say yes to presence. But if you say yes to perfection, it's more difficult to say yes to presence um, because of the need for perfection and how much time it involves to hustle, prove, earn, compete for, for that. Um, and then she talks about how less really is more um, in a few different ways, I thought. She mm-hmm. talks about how she stripped things out of her life, like she was constantly traveling, she was overworking, she was doing compulsive activity, like, and removing those things, making her life simpler, led her to be more present and live a more fulfilled life. Um, and then creating space and lightness in your life by going slowly, um, which was something that really stood out to me. Like, how do we live a slow life, especially in today's society? Like, Mm -hmm. man, how do you do that? And then she talks a lot about getting outside in nature. She talks a lot about, um, a lake house that she had and Mm -hmm. how they found it, um, as a retreat to go and really spend time in nature and her overarching theme was that love always wins if you um put that as a goal in your mind to be present in in the lives of those you love um it will eventually always win and the journey that she's on is the journey that takes a whole lifetime you can't change everything about your life in a day but um taking it one day at a time and striving for 
1% better every day um, and being more present in those around you is really what this book entailed. Um, so those were the, the overarching themes of the book. You see it chapter by chapter really play out um, through her life. And so I think we will go into some of the um, things that we took from it. So I'll let Savannah start. Okay, yeah. And I have the physical book here. So if you see me flipping through pages, I have a few bookmarks that I wanted to talk about today. So um, on page 17, she talks about, um, well, it's just a quote that I'm going to read. This book is an account of my winding, messy journey from exhaustion to peace from isolation to connection, from hustling and multitasking to sacred presence. And this book is an invitation to a hand reaching out across these pages, inviting you into that same journey because it has been the greatest, most challenging, most rewarding sea change of my adult life. And um, on down, she talks about how um, she had to say no to an opportunity and um, she was nervous to tell that person no. And um, the person emailed back immediately and said, stop right now, remake your life from the inside out. And I, I mean, first of all, that first part is another good kind of summary of what the book is asking of us and what um, she felt like God was asking her to do at that point in her life. And then the remake your life from the inside out, um, just the self-work <laughs> that she's talking about. Yeah. Uh, I know that we both have gone through some life remakes in the last few years especially so that yeah. part hit for me for sure yeah for sure and I think it's a lesson to be learned that she was saying that like th my hand is out to you um, how many people can we offer that same hand to if we are in the process of remaking our life as well um, the first bookmarks that I have and I have the Kindle version so if you see me looking this way, I'm looking at my computer, but um, on page 24 of the Kindle version, I don't know if it's the same pages, but she said years ago, a wise friend told me that no one ever changes until the pain level gets high enough. And that goes back to the first um, lesson that like everything starts at a breaking point. I don't know about you, but well, you know, but I've had a couple of truly life-changing moments in my life already um, and it is that incident for, for a change in your life is often heartbreak or something that just happens that you're broken beyond repair, repair your, the weight's too heavy for you to carry. Mm -hmm. And that is what makes you think about the fact that you need to change your lifestyle. So that was just a quote that I was like, oh man, yep. Heard that one loud and clear. Yes, agreed. That one was definitely, I had that highlighted in yeah. my book here. So, yes, I definitely felt that too because, like you said, most times in my life where I've been like, oh my gosh, something really has to give here, I've just been totally dead, like from, mm -hmm. from despair and pain. So, yes, 100% agree with that quote sticking out to me. So then my next one's on page 40 and it is a couple paragraphs and it says, as I unravel the many things that brought me to this crisis point, one is undeniably my own belief that hard work can solve anything, that pushing through is always the right thing, that rest and slowness are for weak people and not for high capacity people like me. 
Oh, the things I did to my body and spirit in order to maintain my reputation as a high capacity person. The moments I miss with people I love because I was so committed to being known as the strongest of the strong. Oh, the quiet moments alone with God I sacrificed in order to cross a few things off the to-do list that I worshipped. And that was like (laughs) dagger in the heart for me because I have been very successful thus far in my career. um, And I have achieved that by overworking myself and doing everything possible to stand out to people and to um, be the strongest of the strong. Like she said, like I don't have emotion in work and I um, am really not even myself, if I'm being honest with myself um, at work, because I have this facade of I'm in a room full of men that don't treat me the same because I'm a woman and that's a societal issue um, that has literally, it doesn't actually make sense. But um, <laughs> in my mind, I've been taught that from society, from this hustle culture, so to speak, um, of like, oh, yeah, well, everyone else is staying till 10 o'clock. And that's how you get ahead is you stay till 11. And so I have missed a lot of time with people that I love and people that I cherish. And the quiet moments with God, because I chose work over mm-hmm. worshiping him so that was for me like i was like oh well <laughs> yeah there's that one and i yeah. and i have seen that like since getting married i've tried to be more cognizant of like i'm gonna leave at five o'clock every day because i want to spend time with my husband and do things with him and in turn alongside that my um, alone time with God has increased as well because I'm home more and we're both reading the Bible um, this year all the way through. So just doing things like that, but it took a life change for me to really see that in my life, I guess. Yeah. The next page, um, there's a quote that I highlighted that's along the same lines as that. And she says, people called me tough and capable. They said I was someone they could count on. Those are all nice things, kind of, but they're not the same as loving or kind or joyful. And I, I don't know. I just, I feel like that quote goes along well with what you said and the, um, loving, kind and joyful, those are all, you know, fruits of the spirit, things that we should strive to do. And her saying like, I was none of those things. I was all of these things that I thought I should be, but I was not the things that mattered really. Yeah. Well, and right below that, it says, I believe that work could save me, make me happy, solve my problems. But if I absolutely wore myself out, happiness would be waiting for me on the other side of all that work, but it wasn't. And that is literally the culture of corporate America today. Like, yeah work, 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 work. Things are going to come. You work hard today. You're going to see the fruits of it tomorrow, but Mm -hmm. that's not the right fruits that we should be striving for. So correct. Yeah. Um, and then my next one, the next quote from the book that, um, it's actually my favorite quote from the book. It's on page 77 in the vinegar and oil chapter, which I know you said that you really liked part of the chapter, but it's where, um, she says, um, we 
But along the way, we learn to only bring our achievements or our desperate apologies for the lack of achievement, as though God is the foreman of the factory punching our time cards. But he isn't. He is love itself, grace embodied, holding the fullness of who we are. Strong, weak, good, bad, wild, fearful, brave, silly in his hands. He can be trusted with every part of it, the silly and the enormous. Because um, she talks about how she hasn't trusted God with her full self and like you said, um, when we were talking about this earlier, that she says that, like, I didn't pray about things that I felt like were my own doing. Like, she didn't want to take the ugliest parts of herself to God because she felt like it was embarrassing or she she didn't view God as this creator who is merciful and loving and will take every parts of us. Like we talked about in the love podcast, his yeah. love is unconditional and... um it's just, I feel, I felt like for me, that was a good thing to be reminded of. Yeah. And in the oil and vinegar chapter, the whole idea is that if you go to an Italian restaurant and they have oil and vinegar, the vinegar's at the top and the oil's at the bottom and you can't get to the oil until you pour out the vinegar. And the vinegar is all of the bad things that mm -hmm. you pray about. And then you get to the oil where you really get to worship him through that. And for me, it was like, how often do we not pray for things that do seem trivial because we aren't, we don't want to bother God with it, but like, we're not bothering him. He asks us to reach out to him. And that's what she talks about right before that quote that you had with, um, about how she, there are people that she gets frustrated with because they're like, oh, please let me find a great parking spot today. Or please mm -hmm. let me ace this test. And she is frustrated because she feels like those are trivial things that we shouldn't bother God with. And so she just swings the completely opposite way and is like, well, I'm really nervous about this speaking engagement that I have to go to, but I said yes to it. So it's my problem to deal with, not God's. Yeah. And like, I feel like I do that sometimes. Like, oh, I got myself into this. I have to get myself out, which isn't at all what <laughs> you're supposed to do. Nope. But, I'm a savior. <laughs> Literally. But it's, I think it's human nature to be like, oh, I got myself into this. I'm, I have to get myself out. Like, oh, I can't bother God with that. He's got too many other things going on. Mm -hmm. But that's More important not, issues. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. Right. So. I agree. Well, we are coming up on the end of our time here. Um, do you have anything else that you want to talk about from the book before we end it? I don't think so. I think that there were definitely some nuggets of wisdom to be pulled from this. Um, especially, mm -hmm. I think that we didn't really relate to it as much as other people might just because of the season of life that we're in. Um, right. But I do think that this is was a great opportunity for me specifically to look at my work life and make some adjustments there. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think it was a great read and looking forward to continuing our book um, club next month. But I know that we're going to end with the final yes, uh, poem the, from this book. Yes, the very end of this book um, on page 233, if you're following along in the book, um, it's called The Journey by Mary Oliver. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles, mend my life, each voice cried, but you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations 
Though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough, and a wild night, and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company. As you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. And, um, yeah, for me, that really does encompass the overarching theme of the book of, like, you have to take care of yourself first. You have to be right with God first. You have to, you know, just stop people-pleasing, stop saying yes to everything, and start saying yes to what God has called for you and present over perfect. Like, yeah. slow down, take life a moment at a time, and yeah, that's what I got from it, so. Um, yeah. That is the end of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this book this month, and we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Have a good week.